Hello there, and welcome to the SLP Now podcast. I'm your host, Marisha, and this month we are talking all things scaffolding. If you'd like to see all of the topics for this month, head to slpnow.com scaffold. And now, without further ado, grab your favorite beverage of choice. I'll have my chai latte, put your feet up, and listen in to this week's content. That's what we've got for our scaffolds. Um, and we have a little bit of time left to dive into um, some specific examples of how to put this together. So first, just some general strategies. Um, in, the, in the session, um, this is kind of, and I talked about the structure a little bit already. So the first thing that we do is like the students walk in, they grab their goal cards, and I grab a quick probe. Um, and then we can go to all of the materials, we can pull all of the assessments. And so I would, and I keep these, and it's a little different now with teletherapy, um, but I used to keep these in a binder. Um, and then with teletherapy, I just put them in a Google slide. Um, but I would just, make sure that I assign a specific assessment to each student's goal so I know exactly how I'm going to measure this. I decide it at, when I write the IEP so I know exactly what's happening. Um, and then, so with this, like for example, with following directions, I would determine which level they're at and I would ask, like with for these quick probes, I try and grab like five to 10 um, I use my clinical judgment to determine what is actually helpful, but I really like getting that probe data because I want my students to demonstrate what they can do on their own. I want to know what they've retained um, and just where, how they're coming into the session. So if I'm doing, if I do a quick probe on following directions and the student is at 0% accuracy and I want to work on that skill during the session, I know that I need to do some teaching because we are not going to get into embedded practice right away because they have no clue what's going on with the directions. So if they're at, and typically if they're under 60%, I like to do some teaching. Um, and like, even if they're at, if they're higher at like 80, I would still maybe have like a refresh of, I would just have them tell me and have them teach me to get some of that reciprocal teaching in. Um, so that's what I do there. So that's how I start the session. We rotate through all of the students, get a quick probe. It just takes a couple minutes. Um, we like it's all super organized because it's something we do every single time. And we don't do the same goal every time. I just do one goal per student. Sometimes I split the goal into separate assessments if it's a loftier goal. But I just pick something that can be probed in like 30 to 60 seconds, just super simple. But that data is huge when it comes to setting up the session, because then I, like I said, if like the session will look a lot different if the student is at 0% versus 80 or 100%. And so that's what I like to do first. Then based on that, I determine how I need to, like I have my session plan ready to go, 
But then based on how the students perform, I decide where we're going to start. So I might focus on like if Johnny's at 0% accuracy with following directions, that's what we do a quick teaching activity there. Um, and then Lizzie's doing really well with her past tense verb goal. So as we're working on following directions, like doing that teaching, doing that structured practice, Lizzie's going to practice her past tense verb. So I'll give Johnny a direction, he'll act it out, and then Lizzie will use the past tense verbs. Like she'll tell me what he did. And so during that teaching activity, the other students are have the opportunity to serve as peer models, um, but they I can still be strategic and give them opportunities to work on their skills as well. Um, so that's how that works. And then um and like then we might do the teaching like wherever we are in the unit we spend the rest of the session and after i collect that probe data i because i i love taking the data on my phone so we just like open up the app tap the accuracy it automatically calculates it for me i hit save put that data away and then i just focus on being really present with the students um, so this rubric is something that I like to use. I use, it's called the level of support rubric. Um, and it, it just gives me, it's kind of a, um, it includes like the structural and interactive scaffolds, as well as additional types of support that we can use to support our students. Um, so I just focus on being present and giving the students as many supports as they need to achieve about 80% accuracy. That's always my goal. I want to be in that sweet spot of support and like knowing how the student did on their own um, really helps set me up. So if they were at 40%, I get a rough idea like, oh, I'll probably need like a hand, like this little bit of support. It's harder to describe, but maybe I just need a visual cue and then that'll bump them. That's all they need to get to 80%. But if a student is at 0%, I'm going to start with like that explicit teaching. I'm going to provide visual, verbal, tactile, gestural, like all the types of supports that they need to be successful. Um, and like if I start teaching something and I feel like they're like they're getting it like 60% of the time, I need to find another support to increase that accuracy um, just so that they're learning it appropriately and then so they're not getting frustrated and so they're still hanging in there. So that's how I set that up. And then at the end of the session, I just because I'm I've gotten really good at remembering the types of support that I provide. So at the end of the session, I just type in like the rough estimate of the accuracy. And I'm not too worried about, like, I'm not taking tallies during all of this. Um, I'm not too worried about that. I just want to see how students, um, like, really just focus on providing the best possible support. And then at the end of the session, I just describe the types of support that I provided. Um, and that is really helpful for me clinically um, because then I can figure out which supports are the most helpful. And if someone were to inherit my students and see the notes, they would have, they would know exactly where the student was because they'd see the probes, they'd know their accuracy and they'd know what that meant. 
Um, and then if I do a good job describing that, then it'd be incredibly easy for someone just to step in and know what to do with the student. So that's what we've got. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening in and we will see you next week.